The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. back to yesterday and today we're going to do another recap episode here for you all before we dive into 1972 i'm paul kaminsky i'm james kaminsky and i'm wayne kaminsky we've covered a lot since last we left you i think our last recap episode was episode 37 if i'm recalling correctly at that time we were only talking about the paul is dead rumor so a lot has happened since then and i guess we'll just sort of start at the beginning of where we left off last time let's talk a little bit about the Beatles breakup and how all of that went down. You could call Paul responsible for breaking the news, but, you know, it seems to me that it's it was really something that was brewing for a while and probably landed more with John making that announcement after Abbey Road, but before the uh, Toronto rock revival than anything else. Thoughts on where that blame goes? Thoughts on who started it? A lot of the blame really should be on themselves. They all were a bit egotistical in what they were trying to do yeah. and how they treated each other. In my opinion, anyway, there was a lot of egos in that band. You could hear it in their music and you can see it in who wrote what on their last records, such as Abbey Road had mostly all Paul and George Martin really did work with Paul, much to the uh, chagrin, if you will, of uh, John Lennon. Uh, John right. really wanted a, um, an album of straight rock and roll, as George Martin mentioned, and McCartney wanted something more melodic and strung together, as George Martin was looking for him to do. With Lennon, he was going into different directions. He fell in love with Yoko. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it seemed like he really didn't care to be a Beatle anymore. He was funding her, using Apple money to fund her projects. I think, really, McCartney was totally against that. I think he was probably jealous. I mean, 
you know, I think Lennon, I always see him as like the cool guy in the group. Like there's always one cool guy in the group. Like obviously in this group, it's James, but like there's (laughs) always one cool guy and like everyone else in the group is sort of reacting to what cool guy does. And I feel like Paul was always sort of in awe of cool guy and could reach out and touch cool guy. And for all you New York Post readers out there, maybe literally, maybe not. Who knows? I guess what it's coming down to is that, that relationship, I think that it was very complex. It was almost like a romantic relationship. And with Yoko in the picture, it's less about her as a person and more about her as a concept and what she meant to John. I think it just drove that wedge between them. Mm-hmm. Also, you have to understand, if any of you have best friends or had best friends in, in life, and you used to hang out and go out all the time, and then all of a sudden your best friend found someone else to hang out with, you almost felt a bit right. jealous, like you said. Uh, the cool guy, uh, your friend, is now no longer uh, hanging out with you, going with you, or talking with you, or calling you, or, uh, right. in Paul's case, collaborating with you. Uh, and you miss that. I don't think there's anyone really to blame one way or the other, necessarily because dad i think you're right i think all of them were getting a little bit egotistical obviously they were all growing in separate directions george was friends with all these other musical influences at the time clapton and all that stuff so he's branched out mccartney you know he wants to keep control of yes uh, his own little world yes yes he can't do that george martin i think is is like the last bastion of control that he had with the group because he was able to have this last Beatles moment with Abbey Road with George Martin at the helm. So I think Lennon didn't want that because Lennon wanted the Beatles to become its own new art piece. I could see Lennon going in a direction of like taking the Beatles in a direction of not even making music anymore or making purely experimental music, making the Beatles a concept rather than a, than a band. But, um, yeah, and Ringo was going in his own direction as well. Um, <laughs> Happy to be there was Ringo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all little to blame. The control aspect, James, I think you touched on that there. Yes, McCarty was a control freak. And I think actually it was, I think we had some, some audio from either Francie or somebody talking about that on the show. But It was Francie, yeah. Ultimately, yes, I think McCarty kind of needed control. And, you know, the way he did that, James, is exactly as you said, he was teacher's pet. You know, if if you view George Martin as teacher or parent, McCartney and George Martin were making beautiful music together while Cool Guy was off smoking cigarettes with his with his hip girlfriend uh, elsewhere. I, I think there's a lot of that in there, and maybe explains why Paul was not necessarily chomping at the bit to get back in the studio with George Martin in a in a sort of proper way after the band did wind up splitting. I think we're touching on something here that leads us into the schism, the argument in songs between John and Paul that continued into, as we heard, into 1971, really heated up into 1971. Mm. Uh, Dad, when we were kids, you made us a tape called Talkin' Song, which featured all of the different times the Beatles were bitchy at each other mm-hmm. <laughs> on one cassette so I could take it and show friends at school. <laughs> hey, you kids love living in the material world, right? Yeah. Just what every uh, nine-year-old wants is how do you sleep on cassette. <laughs> but that's there's a lot in there, and that was a weird thing to really have happen in the public eye. Probably something that wasn't really seen before in pop music. Like 
once again, the Beatles are blazing the trail, this time for a weird reason. Do you think Paul's messages were purposefully antagonistic? Do you think John was justified in retaliating with How Do You Sleep? Well, I think John Lennon really was upset by the way McCartney used the announcement of the Beatles breakup. As you heard, Paul was a good PR man, so he used that, and I think that really ticked off Lennon. Plus, you know, if you remember in the special, Lennon was discussing in 1969, January of 69, if George Harrison quit, he didn't care, he'd just get someone else to fill his shoes. So right. he he really did try to keep the Beatles' idea alive. You know, he's, he was a bit nostalgic. He wrote those songs in 1970 after watching Help on television or Hard Day's Night on television. You're talking about I'm the Greatest? I'm the Greatest, and, he, and he, he sang a piano version of Help. When McCartney announced the Beatles had broken up, that was more of a poisonous barb right at Lennon. And um, I think that triggered Lennon off into writing How Do You Sleep? McCartney, hearing that, you know, he just shrugged it off, but I think that bugged him too. You know, I think he oh, knew. Yeah. I think he knew Lennon had a better lyrical uh, edge. You had a quote from it in the show where McCartney says something like, "When a guy like John Lennon says your music is Muzak, it hurts as much of bluster as Paul can produce." It showed that that was really that dug deep for him. You know, that relationship turning like that must have really hurt him the same as it hurt John. Sure, and. To get back to your original question, yeah, I, I think Lennon, his stab was how do you sleep? After how do you sleep, I don't think he really stabbed him as much as McCartney was stabbing him. But I think Lennon in print, in Melody Maker and a few other oh, yeah. magazines, I, I think, oh, you man. know, that, that's why I wanted to include that because that was so important because there were things yeah. that they were communicating with and angry with one another and, and the public was reading this stuff and they couldn't believe it. I guess they were eating it up. I, I do remember the arguing and, you know, it was in newspapers and I remember being all confused by it because wasn't it all you need is love? <laughs> do you think McCartney was justified in using the announcement? I mean, especially after Lennon announced it privately do you think mccartney's using it as a public thing was duplicitous on his part or shady or do you think it was justified it was probably a little two-faced i think he was using it as a form of leverage in a way to get the public on his side to spin yeah. the narrative to be more mccartney positive there's lots of legal battles going on so any way that he can like dad said be the pr man and spin it to his benefit I think he was going to do it. I don't think he meant it completely as a barb at, at like Lenin, but I can see how Lenin would take it that way, and I could see how that would cause a lot of tension and antagonism. I think it was McCartney being McCartney more than anything. I think it was McCartney obla di obla dying, if you will, the newspapers telling them this is how you're going to do it and this is how we're going to do it, that right. kind of deal. But Well, they yeah. all of them had their own yes-men, each one of those, of, of the Beatles. And what's interesting is that all of these yes-men are obviously trying to steer them in the, these directions to, to make their own money off of this stuff. Right, you know? it, exactly. It all comes down to money. It's, it's so funny. I was just listening to a clip from Denny Sywell from Wings, and uh, he said that it's all fun, but when you start to make some money and business starts to creep in, that's when all the evil starts coming out of people, all the greed. As we will learn in 1973, when we get to that point, that's exactly what happens. 
to bring a nerdy analogy into it, there were a lot of worm tongues, people whispering bad things in the, each other's ears, and everybody's believing different things, and they're all turning kind of evil and against each other. I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, you mentioned Denny Sywell. Let, let's transition over to the formation of wings. Now, in the early 70s, as we saw, James, you, you said that was Paul's attempt to spin the public in his direction. As we saw, it kind of backfired. Didn't really work out the way he planned. In 1970, 1971, Paul is not the respected former Beatle. He's just not. Like, even Ringo had It Don't Come Easy, and that was uh, a number one in Canada, we learned, and I was corrected about on the internet. So the transition to Wings is sort of this weird, rocky thing. Can you give us a little insight into what it was like at the time witnessing McCartney struggle out the gate? Yeah, I, I do remember it pretty well, and like if it was yesterday, apparently... Um, and today. Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. I do remember it. The others, John, George, and Ringo, who were not my favorite, I always liked McCartney, they seemed to be a little bit more level-headed, and with the things yeah. that they were doing, uh, aside from Lennon, Lennon was a little bit freaky, you know, uh, with Yoko and all his political activism and social activism. You know, he was out there. McCartney started out with uh, the McCartney album, which I thought was good when it came out. It was quite popular. I remember buying it. And then Ram came out, and I really liked Ram. And that, to me, was the start of a new band, even though McCartney never announced a new band. Uh, it just sounded like a band album. Denny Sywell was in the band playing drums and some other instruments. It was really a band style. When Wildlife came out, don't forget, we already heard, as you mentioned, It Don't Come Easy, and we heard of the Mammoth uh, All Things Must Pass triple album. When Wildlife came out, I liked it. I knew that this was going to be his band. I resented it. I didn't. I, I liked it, but I wanted the Beatles back. Uh, as right, I remember, right, it, did, right. it didn't sound like a Beatle record. It didn't sound like anything I've heard. What do you think is the most Beatly sounding thing on that album? Either that album, how about that album or Ram or both? As far as wildlife is concerned, the most Beatle sounding song for me was Mumbo. And it had that shade. Really? Yes. Yeah, it had that shade of him screaming, Helter Skelter or um down it had that type of energy it had that show closer all right i know a lot of people don't like that song i love it i think it's uh, a great jam song i think it, it yeah. moves i think it rocks you know some people never know is always one of my favorites but yeah i could see beatles on that i've always disliked dear friend it seemed to drag on it seemed to be an f you to john lennon and it, it never really appealed to me that album's a tough listen for me i very rarely return to it and when i do I'm always sort of disappointed. <laughs> I like aspects. Of, I actually love Mumbo for the same reasons you do, I think. I love Bip Bop, un- unironically. And, <laughs> I do, uh, too. I'm hanging up now. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a song, though, that, that seems like something that you would hear in a McCartney like outtake during a Beatles session. Like I can picture him oh, playing yeah. Bip Bop on a piano like as the Beatles are awaiting to record or something and there's uh, everybody's doing their own thing for a time and he could just be filling that like it's in the realm of teddy boy or something like I, it's it's all kind of mccartney scat which i like yeah i do too i agree good choice of word <laughs> there was one uh, clip that i did not put in the special <laughs> from the david frost show 
from George Harrison actually saying what he thought of the album Wildlife. And he says, I just can't really relate to Bip Bop, Bip Bop Baby. That's a great transition into talking a little bit about George because what we saw once the Beatles broke up and a little bit while on the tail end, you know, I think you could draw a line from While My Guitar Gently Weeps to something to Here Comes the Sun to All Things Must Pass. There's suddenly he becomes this amazing force of nature in that band and then a dark horse if you will right <laughs> and then just completely blossoms on his own and then becomes just this like one of I'd, I'd say probably the most respected former beetle for a while there number one george harrison was always voted for about four or five years after the beatles broke up as the best guitarist in the world all the teeny bopper Crawdaddy Hit Parader magazines always voted him number one. As far as his writing is concerned, most of his songs from up until that point were leftovers from the Beatles because they were stifled. As far as George Harrison, the person, is concerned, he was always the little kid in the band. It's like, think of yourself forming a band and you have this little kid who's about two or three years younger. Now, in high school, two or three years younger, He's the baby, and you always try to put him down, and you always try to show your superiority. It's different when you're not a musician, but when you're a musician, you get into this box, I think. All right, I, I, I don't know if firsthand experience, although I had a little band many years ago. You don't ever really grow up as quickly as someone else would at that age, and you always remember that person in the band as the little kid and i think they they came across that way to him i think he resented it that's why he quit he was being pushed around and i think it wasn't just mccartney pushing him around i do believe it was lennon pushing him around jeff emmerich famously wrote him off in his memoir but i guess with a force like lennon mccartney in the room it's hard to see anyone else as anything else but trying to catch up with the two great ones this may be conjecture. I think it's rumor. I don't think this is actually documented anywhere. But I've heard that, you know, we saw in the Let It Be sessions, for instance, that, you know, George quit not long after he and Paul had that argument over um, two of us. But I heard that it came to blows with Lennon as well at that time period. And that may have been the actual reason why he left. Everyone except Ringo in that band was really giving him hell for a little while. Yeah, I agree. McCartney's actually doing the solos in some of the early Beatles work. Oh, yeah. yeah. And George Mm -hmm. Martin is writing the solo for Michelle. I mean, really? I'm supposed to be the guitarist and you're writing me a solo? How would you feel? You know, so I I think that really bugged him as a person and as an artist who wanted to expand his art, his horizon. I have a, a fondness for Apple Scruffs. Oh, yeah. Wawa, which comes right afterwards. Oh, yeah. Wawa is, Wawa is one of my top favorites, too. Yeah. Love it. Love, love, it. love that song. They made a, um, a whole gas station relating to that. <laughs> There's so many on that album, and he really blossomed there, and we saw in the concert for Bangladesh. That was a statement from George, too. You know, look, like Bob Dylan came out of his hole for him. Like, <laughs> that's a big thing. So I wish I could say that his knock him out smasheroo success would continue throughout all of the 70s i think this stuff surely wasn't his last hit but it's interesting to see the one who came out of the gate so strong stumble so hard after and the one who stumbled so hard paul out of the gate come out swinging 
later. We always talk about the songs that Lennon and McCartney exchanged at each other, the anger, but we rarely touch, or the public rarely touches, the songs that George Harrison takes aim at McCartney for. Yeah, run of the mill, right? Run of the mill, wah-wah, mm-hmm. as well as putting little digs in his songs later on in 73. Yeah. Uh, so Harrison really had his anger aimed at McCartney as well. I mean, beware of APCO. Yeah. <laughs> Dad is uh, working on cleaning up 73 right now and getting it ready for you all to enjoy. And so we've had a little preview on our end of 1973, and we saw mm-hmm. how that ABCO scene would end with Alan Klein. And I guess we'll we'll sort of leave it there because the next recap episode we do is going to have a lot of Ringo in it. So don't worry, Ringo heads. We will have a lot to talk about when we approach 1973 and Ringo Starr. But we have a very special presentation for the remainder of this episode here. And it is a recording that I did with the Take It Away podcast co-host Ryan Brady on our way to and from the Bruce McMouse screening at the Arclight Hollywood out here in California. Bruce McMouse came out as as a special feature, I guess you'd call it, in the uh, Red Rose Speedway box set, which again we'll get to in 1973, and bears relevance to this episode because it features essentially this wing's lineup, of course, with the addition of Henry McCulloch. Hmm. So, Dad, can you tell us a little bit about the origin of Bruce McMouse? It's an animated wing's special. What I've known about Bruce McMouse over the years, i Never really thought it existed, to be honest with you, until I saw this box set. Uh, (laughs) But McCartney always fancied doing animation. He got involved with Rupert the Bear. He bought the rights to Rupert the Bear. He was going to do a Rupert the Bear movie that early on in the 70s. Yeah, we're talking right after the Beatles split. One of the first things he does is purchase the rights to Rupert the Bear. Right. So he always fancied animation. He used to draw cartoons and things like that. And I remember in an article, whether it be in Rolling Stone or somewhere, that McCartney was working on an animation that involved a family of mice living under the stage where McCartney was playing. Uh, That, in turn, became Wings, and that's all I knew about it. Up until it fell out of the clear blue sky in 2018. (laughs) 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 One of the spectacular things about this is that first iteration of Wings, or I guess second if you're counting Henry's edition as a second iteration, but it's got people we've met before in this podcast, Denny Lane, Denny Sywell, Linda, of course, and Paul. We never really had great concert footage of that version of the band we had some we had the james paul mccartney special and we had maybe some little fan things here and there some music videos or you know the flip wilson show or what have you but we didn't really have this so what we saw at this screening is the first i guess you'd call it tour proper of wings it's not the college tour that we'll get to in 1972 but it's the european tour where They've kind of sanded off some of the edges, and they're starting to sound a little more like a band. And so just remarkable to have perfect quality performances from this era of the Wings. It's amazing. Right, all off the soundboard. And matter of fact, I remember Denny Sywell once saying, someone sent to him all the Wings shows in perfect stereo soundboard quality. And he was just amazed to hear that. Now, I yeah. have all the wing shows, but they're not soundboard quality, as we'll hear. <laughs> but mm. uh, they are audience quality. Yeah, get ready for some seaside woman people. <laughs> and bip-bop, James. <laughs> hey, look, 
I like me some Bitbop. I also like me some Seaside Woman. The, the, both those tracks. Very good. Good McCartney and Wing scat. Yeah. So anyway, this animated film did wind up coming out, and we're about to hear uh, Ryan and myself journey to and from the, the screening of such, and that's going to bring us to the end here. We did have an announcement. Right. For 1972, what we're going to do is we're going to do it every other week. Get ready. It's going to be a good show, but it will be every two weeks. So just for 1972, a couple of per- Personal things came up that we have to do it this way. But we're also going to have it on our Facebook pages. We're going to have some raffles, some exciting things where listeners can get involved and win free things. So that's forthcoming. Yeah. There'll be all original memorabilia. We hope to have you all involved. Yeah. We'd also like to take this opportunity to thank everybody who's been interacting with us on social media and for listening to the show. I know we don't talk to you every week here. You've just been listening to the show as it unfolds, but we've been staggered by the response. The response has just been incredible. We've been doing this show now for over a year. I can't believe it's been over a year now. We've made it uh, these 55 episodes, and you, you guys have really turned it into something special beyond our wildest dreams so it's just it's incredible thank you all so much for the support everyone out there everyone who followed the show from our other podcast the third men podcast so thank you all for joining us on this journey together it's been really great and we have obviously many more years to come and uh, as as dad mentioned 1972 we'll be doing some skip weeks here and there and so uh, yeah with that we'd like to thank a couple of people who've been talking about the show online I think we mentioned uh, Michael Shawcross last time. Thank you, Michael. You're always there with an awesome comment. In, in addition uh, to uh, Jennifer Kearns, uh, Michael and Jennifer, you guys have been uh, champions for us, and we really appreciate that. James Hope as well. Every time we post an episode or or, or a photo album or something on, on our Facebook page, you're always sharing that and, and interacting with us there. So thank you very much. And don't forget Colin White and Rich McGuire. Who, Rich, I'd like to give a special thank you for some of the audio that has been provided. Charles Petulak, like to thank him. Like to thank Michael O'Callaghan as well. Tam Davis, aka Cali Durga, who followed us over from the Third Men podcast. We really thank you. Thanks, Tam. You're always there with a the cool comment and stuff, and we, we love hearing that. Helps propel us forward. Debbie Anderson, too. Thank you, Debbie. Eric Mays, thank you. Sean Swift. Tom Stanger. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we hope to have some more of these kinds of episodes for you. We're going to start to schedule breaks after the years. We think we're going to get those going. And we've even got some interviews lined up, maybe. Some cool stuff that we might be able to add to the show in addition to the normally scheduled documentary. So stick with us for the 1970s. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I think that's all from us. Should we kick it to Mr. Bruce McMouse, guys? What do you say? Give me your best mouse impression oh wrong (laughs) Uh, i was gonna juggle like the mpl logo i figured that would translate well into an audio medium Uh, thank you everybody for listening and uh hope you enjoy the second half bye bye Hey everyone, this is Ryan from Take It Away, the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast. I'm walking from my apartment right now. 
out into the street to meet a friend who you may know. There he is. I'm recording already. <laughs> How's it going? Good. We're getting ready to go. going to the Arclight Theater in Hollywood. We're going to go see Bruce McMouse. We'll record a little bit of our drive over. Yeah. It's uh, it's all very exciting. Um, I've only seen this one other time. Ryan, how many times have you seen so, this? I'll be honest with you, <laughs> because I can be. I've seen parts of this. Yeah. I haven't sat down to see the whole thing. Yeah. Because when I saw that it was going to be in the theater, I'm like, well, I can watch this. Yeah. It's... Or I can just watch it in the Arclight <laughs> Theater. So I didn't know it was going to be in theaters. I was pretty stoked to find out that it was. Uh, because I did not, like a bad McCartney fan, I did not get the Red Rose box. I didn't get it yet. I, uh, I got the Wildlife box. Uh, okay. Like some sort of maniac. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that? Wildlife? But yeah, no, the box. I, I like the box, yeah. The box is nice. Um, they get some really cool stuff in there, but... So I don't actually have the Red Rose um, bonus DVD where this comes right. with it, so I'm pretty excited that I'm going to be able to see it again here. Uh, yeah, I saw it at my dad's uh, place in Florida, my uh, father, Wayne Kaminsky, who... Uh, runs the Yesterday and Today podcast, the talent, if you will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's wild. It's insane. I can't believe this thing was kicking around NACA's attic or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's really crazy. And, well, one aside about your dad's show, or yeah. me and your show, too. So I was on the Steve Hoffman forums today, uh-huh. just looking at what they've been saying about our show and yeah. other Beatles shows and they're like yeah this Take It Away is good but have you heard uh, Yesterday and Today <laughs> no way. which is excellent <laughs> and I was like oh man got him you got got yeah um, well we'll have to do a battle of the podcasts uh, we'll uh, have it at Max's Diner I would love that yeah. Casey Case and we'll host we're gonna bring him up from the grave <laughs> get Rodney Bigenheimer whatever that guy's name is <laughs> Some canters every night at like 10 30. Oh my god. Um, well, that's cool. It's a good little tidbit. Um, we asked Denny. I don't, we had him on yes. a couple weeks ago. I have not heard the second one yet. It's really interesting. Like, Denny was telling some stories that I've never even heard before. But we, I mean, I asked him, like, so did you remember? And he was like, no, I don't. And he was like, what's it like? <laughs> Acting with a fake cartoon mouse. And he's like, well, you're just looking at the thing and it's not there. Like, he's so matter of fact about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He was actually saying, he's like, I was pretty disappointed. I played a, a couple of bomb notes. On the live stuff? Yeah. yeah. See, that's, I mean, I find that, I feel like that's probably not an uncommon sentiment amongst musicians when they watch their live sets. However, the idea that we have perfect quality of that iteration of Wings yeah. playing and no one really, I mean, there was rumors about this and like, I guess it was sort of known that something happened, but the idea that this 
that we just have it now. We have that iteration of Wii. Yes. Boggles my mind. So, Denny, I, uh, I'm very sorry about the bum notes. <laughs> I don't personally care <laughs> because, my God, it's awesome just to have this little snapshot. Uh, seeing Denny and Henry McCulloch uh, interact with each other on stage is just something we never really had before. So it's wild, because Henry McCulloch, like, if you see him in still photos, seems like a pretty, you know, he's a serious, maybe a, a tad dour. Yeah, for sure. But when you when you see him in this, he's all animated. Like, he's as animated as the goddamn rat. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a really cool experience to see that. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing Henry at a Beatle Fest before he went missing, right? He right, went missing. yeah, he went missing. Presumed presumed dead. Um, yeah, isn't that wild? But it's really cool, and you get what you, what you, the, one of the cool things you get in this is the early My Love solo, the um, right, the pre one before he changed it. I still can't believe that that is just a live take. Yeah, like they were just doing live <laughs> takes, and Paul's like, yeah, I'll just sing that flawlessly <laughs> almost every time. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. That's a great record, My Love. I love I, My Love. I, uh, a funny story about, like, Beatle romantic songs. I, I'm, a, I'm more a Paul guy than, in, than any of the others, but I love, you know, I love them all. Yeah. But, um, so I, I, try, I made an early attempt with my now wife, uh, Susanna, to make My Love our song. <laughs> and what happened with that? Didn't stick. <laughs> you know what stuck? This is the uh, weird, this is gonna, uh, this is gonna boggle I, some, boggle some heads. I would love to hear what stuck. Out the Blue. Oh, yeah, Off, John. Of, off of Mind Games. That was a late discovery for me. That was one of those songs that I just missed. You know, you go through the discographies and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, w- it wasn't until Andrew Grant Jackson's Still the Greatest right, book when right. it was on one of those fake Beatles records where I'm like, holy sh**, this sure. is like a Beatles song. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's getting, getting to Beatle level. I feel like McCartney would have cleaned up some of the stuff a little bit. Right. But, um, and even the, what's, so anyway, that was our wedding song. <laughs> and we, we danced to that at our wedding and my dad just looked on going, what the, that one? <laughs> yeah. Really? And, uh, and the line that always cracks me up on it that is so crazy is, uh, he says, like a UFO, you came to me. I guess a New York kid thought he had or claimed to have seen a UFO, <laughs> and it's just such an insane line and yeah, an insane yeah. sentiment. But Susanna and I crack up every time we hear it. So when you see our wedding videos and things, we're dancing very romantically, and then we sort of burst into laughter during that <laughs> that little bit. But Nothing uh, like having your wedding song have a line like a long slow knife and a, <laughs> <laughs> right? a long slow knife. <laughs> yeah, you were killing. You guys were killing me in that chaos episode because I think it was Chris who was pointing out some of the bonkier lyrics in that album. And uh, I was actually driving along this road, actually uh, listening to that on the way to um, the Smokehouse. And uh, oh, Smokehouse is excellent. That was great. That's great. Um, losing my mind. Some of Mac's finest lyrics, I think, but also some wild stuff in there. From chaos and creation. Yeah. I'm trying to think what Chris, I mean, Chris really points some stuff out that I just was like, what? I didn't even notice it. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Sometimes I go back and I listen to the episodes and I don't even agree with myself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh man. Can we do a podcast on a podcast episode or is it too meta for everybody? Yeah, I find it hard to listen to um, some of the early stuff that James and I did on our uh, Third Men podcast three years ago. Uh, a lot of time and a lot of experience has passed yeah. since then. I'm almost like, let's just chop the first 20 off and, you know. Right, yeah. I actually do notice that, funny you say 20, when I listen back to the episodes, you know, because we don't hear them for a month, I yeah. always think, I don't even wake up. And not that it'd be doing in the morning, it's just, you don't warm up for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Sometimes James and I are recording really late at night, and he's three hours ahead of me, so he's way more tired than I am. Yeah. But I, you know, we both are home from work, and we're just dead. But we soldier on, you know. Got to soldier yeah. on. No, you do. Like uh, McCartney through uh, four hundred wings uh, <laughs> lineups. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So well, let's. Well, I guess let's go back to the exactly that. Yeah. So they record this. What, 72? Yeah, 72. So I guess this is... I'm fuzzy on the timeline, but I think it's around... It's I think it's after the first leg of, like, college shows? Is um, it before they recorded Red Rose? We have to call your dad. Yeah, he would know. He would, I don't know if it's before or after. I think it's before because all the... Because the Red Rose songs that appear in it, you get Big Barn Bed and... Uh, my love. Yeah, it's just one of those wild, rich rock star ideas. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's do a live thing, but let's animate some mice. Yeah, into it. And one is a one's like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. One is like sort right. of like, hey man, you dad, you just don't get it. I love wings. It's like, yeah. hey man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Paul doing yeah, that too. So. He's like New Orleans, like. <laughs> And I can't believe that wings are on stage right now. It's going to be crazy. Can I tell you this? You do a frighteningly good impression of that. That's <laughs> all the casting directors out there. Yeah. I'm available. Yeah. Director, hate mail to Ryan Brady. Care of yeah. Los Angeles, California. Uh, but yeah, so we're getting like, they've been on the road a little while. They're working the kinks out. They're playing the wildlife material. They're playing the ram material. They're really not deviating from wildlife and ram all that much. So even back then, McCartney's trying to lump ram into the Wings catalog. Man, uh, that which, would have been amazing. I mean... If he could have pulled it off. I know. Um, so anyway, I, so it's that era. You're getting a little a little of the Red Rose stuff. So it's a, it's a unique time, you know? You get an enthusiastic Henry McCulloch. You get uh, a fresh-faced Denny. He looks like he's 12 years old. Yeah, he really... Uh, McCartney's taken some of the it's interesting to see what he and Linda are wearing they're they're taking some of the uh, stage uniforms for a spin Uh, we get a little sequin action in 76 nothing like a little sequin (laughs) some of those wings live because Chris and I haven't even talked about any of this yet some of the those wings outfits in 76 the tour the kimono and the <laughs> and the various other things, like, where the hell did those come from? Yes. I mean, so I think this is what we're seeing in what we're about to see tonight is the genesis of some of the, or maybe not the genesis, but like the first step toward that stuff. Yeah. They're more decked out. 
they're and they're also more all over the place in this than they yes. are on 70 76 there's a weird there's a uniformity to it almost yeah a similar well color oiled palette. All, yes. all that and McCartney looks a little more timeless in 76 than he does here the mullet is out of control oh it's a good looking mullet it's it's out of control yes <laughs> yeah, it is. it's 2018 Courtney Barnett level <laughs> yeah. like it's it's That's off the top. charts see I, I could make a case that the 76 hair is rock star hair yeah but, for sure because it's like feathered a bit yeah, right, right. right? <laughs> it's a macadoo <laughs> there's somebody on payroll doing that every night <laughs> yeah I think it was uh, Gertrude Higgins I think that Gertrude Higgins right yeah, yeah. so so anyway the fashion is insane but I think they closed this thing do you want spoilers at all I don't want to spoil this for you for me yeah because the spoiler no, the I ending don't care. the ending that they end on it's a it's crazy. Do you want to know or do you want to be surprised? Uh, you know what? Let's give right. the listeners a little bit of surprise. Okay. I actually don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. A turning into the worst Paul McCartney fan. <laughs> <laughs> because, how much more can I put into my eyes and ears, you know? So. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Do you want a hint? Give me a hint, yeah. We knew he played this. We knew he played this. But we didn't have it like this quality. Okay. And that so that's that's a little hint, hmm. uh, and it's one of his finest vocal performances throughout his entire career. Really? I mean, just the song. Uh, but anyway, that's that's enough hints. I don't okay, want to spoil that's, it anymore. Okay, yeah, that's actually, and I've no, I still have no <laughs> idea what it is. But yeah, I'm excited. I got um, I got a lot of different emails from coworkers saying, "Hey, I heard there's a dumb Paul McCartney thing at our clinic." <laughs> I imagine you're going. If you're not, here's the link in case. Hey, dork. I yeah. know you like this <laughs> shit. Yeah. I have my wings. Why don't you go? Oh, yeah. My wings poster up on my cube uh, to, uh, you know, let my freak flag fly. But when I called my wife, I was like, hey, my buddy Paul, he wants to go. And she's like, oh, yeah, then you'll just go. <laughs> you'll go with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad tried to sell it to to my wife as like, uh, hey, you know, you like animation. <laughs> Do you like Walt Disney? <laughs> Do you like high quality mouse animation? Well, I mean, we should talk about that. This is there's a long storied history of Paul and animation. Yeah, it's true. Even dating back to the Wings era with like the, let's call it, lightly racist Seaside Woman video. Yes. Which I guess. Some people may take issue with me saying that, but at the time, I'm yeah. sure it was acceptable to somebody. Um, there's the also lightly racist Oriental Nightfish video. It was a different era, man. It's a different time. It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, all that stuff you'll notice, it's not on YouTube. You can't, no. it's not on his official channel, so I think he's like aware yeah. of that. You can watch the Dance Tonight video on YouTube in like a low bit rate, though, fidelity. I like that video. I like that video, too. The Natalie Portman, Michelle Gunn. What do you think of the new one? Oh, who cares? Uh, who cares? That's yeah. great. It's great. I, I think it's really good. I, I like the video more than I like the song. I yeah, think. I don't like. I don't really like the song. I think it's just Get Back Again. Yeah. It's like, uh, from where I'm sitting, I'm, I'm happy. I like the record. I like the Egypt Station a lot. Yeah. And I like that song until he started saying, this is about anti-bullying. I was like, man, right. you are not the first person. Did you see that in the... Not is it Grand Cent? It was Grand Central Station, where you had that live show in New York. Yes. Did you watch it. that? Yeah, yeah. I actually watched most of it, and he like brings P. 
people up on stage <laughs> to call out the and bullies. And he's like, "These people were bullied. <laughs> this song's for you. Here, you look like a yeah, yeah. yeah. What did they make fun of you for? Your hair? What you... <laughs> right. And I, and I get the point of it. And I think it's a, it's a sweet sentiment. And I think one of the women that we like, we communicate with her. Oh, really? Yeah, D- Dana. And I was just like, I wonder how that felt. Like, are you empowered? Because it's like, hey, it's Paul, or is like your bully out there somewhere, like sharpening his sword, <laughs> getting ready to get you? I, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying that. I feel like it, it's a mix. It would be a mix of sort of mild embarrassment with yeah. how quickly can I end this? Right, 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 um, right, right. But the idea of being on stage with Paul probably Trump like uh, exactly. surpassed all of that. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so we are. About to pull into the parking garage here. Off, just got off of Sunset Boulevard. Ah, yes. Past the Cinerama Dome. I passed the Amoeba Records. Still up, still open. Still hanging in there. What's going on with that? I heard, yeah, it was a couple years ago they, they said they were moving. I don't know. I ask every time I'm in there, like, or periodically, not every time. Yeah. Make me crazy, I think. But, um, the guy's back. He's going to ask us again. <laughs> Don't look at him. I just wanted to know, you know, because this it's, you know, you'd think the bigger record store wouldn't be the best. But this one it really, really is. From quality to um, uh, selection to price even. Yes. Even, it beats the smaller stores. Like, because I love Atomic. Um, yeah, Atomic's good. Freak Beat is also very good. But Amoeba just rules. It just yeah, it's the best rules. one. It rules them all. It's so big. You walk in there. Amoeba, we are available for advertising. <laughs> when you walk in there, you go to any of your favorite artists, even in the used section, yeah. and you see stuff that I've never seen yes. before. Boot, somehow they have bootlegs. I don't know if you can talk about that. Yeah, there's always there's always a fresh copy of Get Back to Toronto. Right. And you're like, right. what the hell? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I need to get another one of these. <laughs> Got to refresh this supply. Uh, but I've seen uh, the 8990 tour, like one of those big boots they did from, right. uh, they did like a double or triple LP yes, kind of collection yeah, yeah, yeah. of those. I've seen those in there. They just they just have everything. They're just wonderful. I'm really softening to that 8990 tour. Oh, it's great. I remember when I was a kid, I didn't really... Get it? Because I'm like, why would I listen to this if I have the '76 tour? Like something about Paul playing that five-string oh, bass, yeah, the and that like really corporatized '80s mullet he has. I um, the the hair I can see. I even never thought of it as a mullet. That one is a mullet. Maybe I just have a mullet identification problem. <laughs> I always <laughs> a mip. <laughs> I always thought of that too as rock and roll hair. I'm trying to go up. Did I just miss it? Completely? I think you did. I think yeah. Go yeah. I think. Why do I've been here a million? Oh, here we go. I think yeah, this is it. Past and then yeah. This is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, were just in the parking garage. Yeah. Next to Amoeba, the I, movie theater. I was a little young for eighty nine ninety, so I actually didn't go. Although my dad got me a program, which I. That program over. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Gives it like a little Beatle history. Yeah. And, um, but I saw the 93 tour at Giant Stadium. Oh, I the, missed that the one. The New World Tour. What was that like? I was eight years old. I danced so hard. I was so excited for Live and Let Die. That was my favorite song when I was yeah, eight. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I knew... <laughs> I was eight years old, but I knew what his set list was for some godforsaken reason. Well, and I knew that Lady Madonna led into 
live and let die. So when okay. Lady Madonna came on, I was so excited. I got on my chair and started dancing, and I tumbled backwards into several rows of oh, no. very polite, accommodating uh, men. They're probably just amazed that you knew those that music. Yeah, yeah. This kid, he's one of us. Right. But the New World tour that was a big deal for me. And that was the tour that became Paul is Live. Yes. Yes, with Robbie's bit. Thanks, Chet. Yes. We asked him about that when we were at a fest one time. Yeah. Robbie used to do the... F- and, and Lord help me, I can't remember the answer. So I don't know who Chet is <laughs> any more than I <laughs> did before I asked. All right, everybody. We are going into the movie. We will be back to you... How long is it? An hour? I don't know. Is he going to be there? I, no, no, he's, he's not. doing a Q and A in LA. He did a video today, a Martin Luther King thing, I think, in Washington. So I feel like he's not here. Is the Concord still running? No. <laughs> did they bring that thing back? They said Denny Sidewell. He oh. lives out here. <laughs> People are just like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble now. Anything we do? We do. Do you have anything to say before we? Wrap it up. I'm excited. Happy to be here with my buddy Ryan, and uh, we're gonna check out some wings on the big screen. Back to you in a bit. Good evening, allemaal, and van harte welkom, van harte welkom voor de vierde maal alweer in Nederland from England. Wings.
back. <laughs> we just got McMoused. Uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Strange. Uh, yes and yes. Uh, historic. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I didn't have a lot of words. Big Barn Bid, uh, Seaside Woman were both studio takes. In fact, Seaside Woman, I think, was an out take or like an extended version yeah. of some kind. Um, it did feel like it went on. Yeah. A little further than I remember it going. Yeah, I mean, that, it was, what, 60-some minutes in a movie theater? No previews. What, 80% of that theater was full? Uh, yeah, it was a good turnout. It was a big turnout. I thought it was a great turnout for Paul. And uh, a lot of fans around. You knew some people there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Alex, Chris, Ben, musicians in LA, kind of mantra. I know is connected to the monkeys. It gives you a, uh, it gives you an interesting. Uh, I, this is this is one thing I struggle with. At concert films, do you applaud? Right. And sometimes I I want to. I feel compelled to. Yes. But then other times I feel a little silly doing it because obviously the performer can't do it. Right. But some of those performances. Oh. Oh my God! The mess, I the think, mess, was yeah. so good. Uh, I was a wildlife. I I don't really care for that song no. all that much. Um, I think you guys on your show talked about how it goes on for it's so quite long. A while. It's like one of the longest songs ever, and you're like, oh God. Uh, that one and Dear Friend are both sort of in the same category yeah. for me. But that version of Wildlife we saw right. tonight was excellent. It was unbelievable. Uh, his voice, I mean, he's just in prime Wings McCartney mode. You know. Um, there's not a lot of... Uh, it, it's, he sounds like a beetle, you know? Yeah. He sounds like a beetle. Yes. And even though there are like six outfit changes for <laughs> each song. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with Ken Mansfield, yeah. who was a, an old Apple scruff, and um, he was talking about how he was talking to McCartney. It wasn't Ken Mansfield. I think it was. Anyway, uh, he was talking to him about Oh Darling, and he right. was asking him why he was going through the singing it over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over That's and over a good again. Question, and, sure. and, uh, and McCartney's answer was, I can't do it like I used to. Huh. And that is late 20s McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> we right. saw him at 30 years old in this, and boy, he could still, like, Long Tall Sally, spot on. Perfect. Makes you wonder, like, what did it sound like? Like, what kind of singing is not on record that he could do? Because... I know. I know. I don't feel like Paul really starts to sing until 73 or 4 in Wings. Okay. I feel like the beginning of the Abbey Road era. All right. You disagree. I can point to some examples. Yeah, I please. mean, I think I, I would mean, love if you did. Uh, like 64 Long Tall Sally. Oh well, yeah. Is, sure. I, uh, arguably I, as far as I am concerned, maybe one of his best if not the best vocals. It's just staggering what he was able to hit in that thing. I would point to like the encoda of Hey Jude as when he starts to understand <laughs> yeah. what his voice is capable of maybe. Right. So that's maybe like 68 is sort of the time. But you hear him like sort of talk about how he's self-conscious of his singing sometimes. I think there was an interview about Eleanor Rigby and he made some comment about how he thought he didn't sing yesterday well enough and so this was wow. sort of his chance to do it right. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> or something. 
But yeah, maybe I think he just sort of came into his own in that scream, that little Richard screaming thing was just so became you, more prevalent. Right. So the long tall Sally you heard tonight. Yeah. Is that as good? Or like, how does it rank against the recording? It that sounds like does? it sounds like a Beatle. I mean, yeah. it sounds he was high energy. There was also that moment in Maybe I'm Amazed where he's sort of like swinging his sweat-drenched hair around yeah. and and, uh, and really belting that one out. Which, by the way, the band was tight. We were talking a little bit about this on the, on the walk to the car, but I just watched all those Wings rehearsals uh, yeah. from the Wildlife Box, and they're really rough there. Uh, but then you see this band here, and they... I think that college tour really... Really broke them in. Yeah, for that sure. Early college tour. No, I never, ever have seen anything yeah. like that. Maybe I'm amazed. That's crazy. Then all of it. Really, what was, uh, favorite track? Favorite cut? My favorite from Bruce McMouse. It's <laughs> a great question. Really was good it, question. Was it the vaudevillian uh, dad's the uh, mouse? Yeah, dad it was like the little. Yeah. Is it a ukulele or a banjo <laughs> he's Something like that. A little yeah. mouse? Yeah. I mean, by... Okay. Before I answer that question, the my favorite part of the whole thing was the very clearly inserted pre-song introductions. <laughs> some kind of sound stage. Yeah. You all having a good time? Yeah. Shaking your bums? Well, yeah, and where they're, like, in the performance, they're all sweating and... <laughs> Just like his sideburns are cut a different way. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, it's like very clearly later. Yeah. His yeah, hair yeah. is longer. And he's just dry as a bone, like, oh, and uh, you know, this yeah. is uh, this is a song about animals and wildlife. And, oh, right, man. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, wildlife. That was, I, your, was, a, was a contender, at least. For it's you. a contender. Yeah. I've never heard that song like that, and you said this earlier during this section of this, and he's just pinching out notes in his voice that I've never heard him do yeah. ever. And it's just, what? Yeah. It's, maybe it's top shelf. Yes. Maybe it's on Oh Darling, maybe it's on some early Beatles, but I, there's not many Wings records where you heard Paul like that before. Well, well that's an interesting what what do you where would you rank some of his top wings vocals? So I think the 76 album as it stands, some of those performances are the best versions of those songs. Okay, yeah. I think Call Me Back Again on yep, 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 Venus yep. and Mars. Yep. Like that's something else. Yeah. Oh Darlin's great. I mean that's back to Beatles so that that you said wings I really love uh, his vocal on getting closer I think that one's yes. got a nice uh, I like that screamy sort of uh, 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 what's the one he did with Nirvana <laughs> cut me some slack cut me some slack I, I like that kind of sort of raspy the cigar box guitar <laughs> you're talking about right. I love that song um, Nirvana reunion yeah, with McCartney. Like, hey, hey, man. <laughs> One very major part of that band is gone. <laughs> Be careful. And you got Paul McCartney in this yeah. place. Um, Wings vocals. Man. I think he's a pretty good vocal. 
Yes, it is. High, high, high is good. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Silly love songs is hard to sing, but I wouldn't say that that's like a best vocal. I'm trying to think like. Yeah. Have you ever seen him do it where it's like, the, yeah, the live record where it's the he's playing the bass that bass line. Sure. It's still. Um, so the mess. The uh, mess w- was is a great vocal, but it was a great performance uh, in this Bruce McMouse. McMouse is the best mess. It's a good. It's a very good mess. Oh, it's you a, don't think it's the best? I think it's better. I think my ultimate mess is the live version B side thing. Yeah, um, that was it. The hag, the hog. Yeah, something like that. Um, with I don't know if it was the same. Perf- it was definitely the same tour as Best Friend, but the, so, so anyway. But I, I always sort of lump those two together because it was for a while like the best we had of this iteration of Wings, and right. now we have all this stuff, so much stuff, which is fantastic. Uh, but the Met, I think that's my version of the mess. The, the one tonight was like watching that one with a visual component, yeah, which is great. It's really good. So best friend, you mentioned best friend. Oh, I love that song. I've barely talked about best friend. Yeah. Now I think that was never released because he and Lennon had agreed not to continue the song fire exchange. I think that's the story. And that was a Lennon. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. From what I understand, a lot of that stuff is conjecture, but from what I understand, that was one that was never released because. They had buried the hatchet at that point. So that is the response to how do you sleep? Dear friend in that one, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, they say dear friend. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm speechless. To that. I've never connected that. I don't know. I don't know why. It's a great track. Uh, really spirited vocal I, not maybe not the strongest song in the world I feel like Chris would probably take issue uh, with best friend perhaps it's a little droney ask and him. he doesn't really like the rockers it seems like someone to talk to okay how do you feel about that <laughs> go, yeah but it's good yeah. I like it I no like I really like that song and it's like a weird sort of blues mm-hmm. where the chords kind of move around in a different way yeah tell me why why so bad and you're the best friend I ever had yeah that makes sense yeah um we should talk about Linda's vocals Linda uh Linda's vocals turned way down in way this way yeah down. I am your singer way down <laughs> real far down she's barely visible on I am yeah. your singer or barely audible I should say and McCartney really does the heavy lifting on that but also in the mix they really did what they also could. Also pulled it down, right? Yeah. They, you know, yeah, he's singing the lead and doing her parts as the lead. And she's, like, doing harmonies. She's in there. Yeah. Something. She had a weird moment in the film where the where she sort of flirts with the dad mouse. Yes. Is, so is that Bruce? I guess that is Bruce, not the child. The kid. <laughs> It's Bruce. I still don't know who that is. It's a good question. They don't really go out of their way to call him Bruce. <laughs> so there's the intro where Paul's like, oh, by the way, this is the truth. Yeah. And then they go to the thing, and then you're just watching a wing show for a while. Yeah. A song or two. And then you're like, oh, shit. The cartoon stuff comes back in. Oh, a bunch. A bunch. And there's like a British kid. Yes. With glasses, and then like... Yeah, well, let, why don't we do this? Let us talk about the cartoon mouse nipples. 
Uh, that's where I was going to go. It's a very sexualized cartoon mouse who's very into wings. Yeah, super into it. Calls everyone in town. Everyone comes down to the wing show. Because everybody knows her, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're no. a cartoon mouse, if I was a cartoon mouse, you would know her. I would. I'd like to want to know her. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then she has a stoner brother, which is, and just a Gungan style portrayal. Right, uh, Gungan. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, strange. Uh, the 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 brother voiced by Paul, the daughter voiced by Linda very odd uh, choices, although not, again, not um, without precedent. Uh, later on, uh, Paul would voice, I think, what, every character in Rupert? Yes. In the Frog Song? Yes. So, and, oh, yeah, uh, what is it, Tropical Island Hum, too. I think he does most of the voice. Him and Linda do most of those voices, too. Um, which, if you've never seen, that yeah, Tropical go, Island Hum is crazy. Go check that out, for sure. Yeah. It is some weird... It came out in like 2005 or four or something like that. The animation collection. And it's a good, I mean, it's a good recording. It's a good, strong backup vocal. It's the way that you bonga the bongo. It's the way that you bang the big bass and drum. Have you seen the promo photo of that where it's like him and the big squirrel? (laughs) (laughs) And he's in like almost like a Patagonian red sweater. It is like. Dancing with a big squirrel. Like, oh, that was God. a guy in the Beatles. I know, I know. So that one, I only knew for the longest time. It was. It's in the World Tonight documentary, the Flaming Pie thing. They, they, te- they sort of go to the studio where he's doing it, and they interview the he's animator. Yeah, and so that's all the only place I knew it from for years. And I was like, whatever happened to that? And then, like you said, in the animation collection in the mid two thousands, it came out along with Rupert and the Frog Song, and I think Tuesday is the other one. The, the one. Oh yeah, the that stuff's good. Um. Anyway, drag that one out on the tour, Paul. Check. <laughs> we want a bang of the bongo. Come on. <laughs> I would love. <laughs> That. Can you imagine if he busted out We All Stand Together? That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. You know, the, really, yeah. What is going on right now? Be amazing. Other things of note, like you said, the, the costume changes for the interstitial bits are definitely very jarring. Oh, it's so jarring. Because like you said, they go from sweaty to completely dry. Yeah. And everyone's hair looks a little different. Yeah, like, slightly I, different. I think Linda's... McCartney got a haircut. The mullet is in fuller force. Full bloom. Yeah. <laughs> it looks a little more like rock star hair. Right. In the actual shows. It's so. in between yeah. the full blown mullet you were talking about earlier and then. Yeah. You took a look in the mirror and said, these bangs need to die. <laughs> I think they're going to cut before I do these interstitials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention this yet. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Proto high high. I've never seen that before. Yeah, what'd you what'd you call the BTO version? It, it sounded like Bachman Turner. I turned to Paul in the middle of the movie. It sounds like Bachman Turner Overdrive. <laughs> it, it really does just straight. It's yeah. not swung at all. Yeah. Until the last half. And so the people we were with tonight, they're like, they must have just written that. Yeah. Which I think 
that that makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Am I taking the right? Yes, you're yeah. right here. If we're on the highway doing this. Hit the left lane right there, yeah. yeah. We were talking about this earlier where, why did it why did it never come out? And I, I think it's because it took them a long time to animate it. I think that's the story I heard, yeah. And by the time that was done, he had been through, what, two iterations of Wings? Yeah. I think it was at least almost, if not the London town era. <laughs> Just, can, can you imagine? A considerably different... Lineup, the vibe is different. And I mean, Jimmy McCulloch had been in the band, and then had also yeah. exited the band. Right. Placing our good friend Henry, who we saw on full display tonight. Wow, Henry! Whoa, wow, we didn't even talk about that. Very noticeably high, um, but animated. You know, uh, it was. It's cool to see him as a young dude. Uh, yeah, for sure. It I was all. Yeah. Amazing. I'm not a, the biggest Joe Cocker fan, so I don't really have a knowledge okay. of seeing him perform with Joe Cocker. Yeah. But seeing him uh, in this was tremendous. It was really good. And Danny Sywell crushing it on the drums. Oh, unbelievable. A different vibe than Joe English, though. Like, when you when you yes. see Rock Show, it just gives you a different flavor. It's much more primal. Is that the right word? Is it? Yeah. Joe English, he's drumming with his hands like this, so he's yeah. bashing it, you know? He's, he's much more Abe-like, you know? Yes. Than Denny Sywell. Yeah, like a heavier sort of thing. And Sywell, it just reminded me of Ram. Yes. It's like an extension of Ram, what we yeah. saw tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep. We saw Eat at Home from Ram. Eat at Home. Bit Bop. Bit Bop. You're like, wow, okay, Bip Bop is all featured. Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Seaside Woman. He was kind of covered him. Started think. out yeah. with Big Barn. Was it Big Barn Bed? Big that Barn was the Bed. first track? Yep, yep. My Love. Uh, so this is weird period between Wildlife and Red Rose Speedway. Yeah. Can you believe Band on the Run came out of that group? It's, I mean, at least three of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely nuts. Anyway. I had a great time. Thank yeah. you for having me. Likewise. We'll wrap this up. We'll do it. We have a long podcast. Well, you're listening to it now, so <laughs> you already know. Yeah. Thank you. Any final words, Paul? Oh, well, I was going to let you have them. But yeah, thanks. Uh, this has been uh, great, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was an honor. Oh, the honor was all mine. Make a mouse, not moose. Good night. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do. Or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) 
Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to society Six dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.